the Gospel of John then, and the chapter 4. And tonight I want to consider with you the woman at the well. It's a long chapter, it's a deep chapter. This chapter is a bit like Jacob's well itself. It's old, many have drunk from it, and it still hasn't run dry. In his journey from Jerusalem to Galilee, the Lord is under a necessity to go through the land of Samaria. The necessity is not a geographical one. It is true that it's the direct route, it's the shortest path, but it was not the usual route that Jews took because, you see, it brought them through amongst the Samaritans and the Jews didn't like that. And so the Jews who had animosity against the Samaritans, they tended to go down through the Jordan Valley and travel north by that means. So the necessity is providential. God has guided his son to come by this path, this particular day. It is a necessity brought about by the guidance of his heavenly father. And there is in this place, Sychar, a spiritual harvest to be brought in to the glory of God. And there are people to be converted to Christ. And that's the necessity. And key in that harvest and in all of those conversions was this woman and the transformation that Jesus wrought in her life that day at Jacob's well. The story is a marvelous story. It's a story of grace, a story of powerful saving grace in the life of a poor needy sinner. John's purpose in writing this story is tied up along with his purpose in writing the whole gospel. He has said that his purpose is that men might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing they might have life through his name. So he wants all the readers of his gospel to come to see that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. He wants everybody to see that. And he tells the story... Because this woman was brought to see that. That Jesus is the Christ. The saviour of the world. She had her eyes opened. To behold the saviour. And she had faith in him and believed in him. One thing for John to write his gospel. That men might believe. But he also knows that the only one who can open the eyes of men. Is the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that too. And this story not only tells us that a woman came to see that Jesus was the Christ, the saviour of the world. This story tells that the Lord Jesus was the one who brought her to see that. He was the one who opened her eyes. He was the one who manifested himself to her. Showed her his saving grace. So her story is the story of a great change, the story of a conversion, and the story of a saviour who wrought that great change that day at Jacob's well. And for her conversion, 
the first thing that he must do of necessity is go through Samaria. He has to go into her world. He has to seek the sheep that is lost. And he does so. This isn't a chance encounter. This is an encounter that has been ordained from all eternity. There is a lot in the chapter. But what I want to do is to focus on one cord, one rope of thought that runs through the whole chapter. That cord shows how the woman came to see Jesus in his true light. There is a hymn writer, John Newton. He has based his hymn on the words, What Think Ye of Christ? And the, the hymn goes, What Think Ye of Christ? is the test to try both your state and your scheme. You cannot be right in the rest unless you think rightly of him. As Jesus appears in your view, as he is beloved or not, so God is disposed to you, a mercy or wrath is your lot. So it's very important to have clear views of Christ in order to be saved. And that question, what think you of Christ, is a very important question. And in the morning of this day, in John chapter 4, this woman, if she had been asked that question, she would not have passed the test. She would not have been able to answer that question. She would not have been able to identify Christ. She didn't know him. All she would have been able to say is, we know that Christ cometh. And that's it. As to his identity, he would have been a stranger to her. But by the evening of this same day, she knew the answer to that question, and she could say, Christ, the Savior of the world. She had the answer. All in a day, that great change was wrought upon her. So in the morning, she was in darkness and under divine wrath. And yet by the evening, she was a woman of faith, a child of God, and a trophy of marvelous grace. Now, she must have been the most hopeless case in the village. Whenever you read this chapter and the way that she appears to be treated by the villagers, And yet the father led Christ to her. He drew her to Christ. And he drew Christ to her. And this chapter teaches us that we can pray for the most difficult cases. The most difficult cases the Lord can deal with. The Lord can save the darkest sinner. He's able to lift up the one who's had the highest fall. This woman has had a high fall, a long drop. To me, she has the most broken life of all in this community. And this woman at the well stands as a beacon to us that every intercessor in Christ's church ought to know he can save the vilest. He can save the hardest. Jesus can reach anyone. There's hope for the foulest. And we can pray, and we ought to pray, for the conversion even of the worst and the greatest of sinners. Now her conversion was not like the blinding light on the Damascus road that Saul had. Remember Saul Saul saw the light? That was it. Who art thou, Lord? 
I'm Jesus. What would you have me to do, Lord? It was as quick as that. It was over in a moment. He saw in an instant. But this woman's conversion is not like that. Her case is like the blind man who was healed in stages. And the light came bit by bit. At first, darkness, but then a blur, mistiness, seeing men as trees walking, and then eventually seeing Christ as clear as day, the saviour of the world. So this woman was like that. You see, every conversion is different. No two conversions are the same. Now every path to God is the same. We all come to God through Christ. But every path to faith in Christ is different. We're not all brought by the same path to see Jesus and to come to faith in him. We have had different texts. We have heard different sermons. Different verses have done it. Different afflictions in our life have brought us to that place. So there is a difference in all of our conversions in that regard. But he sets all his saints at the feet of Christ, however different the path is to that place. So you should never be concerned or alarmed that your conversion is not like somebody else's conversion. And you should never come to the place where you say, well, I can't truly be converted because I wasn't converted like that. It just wasn't like that for me. I didn't have the blinding experience of the Apostle Paul. Or I didn't have this, you know, 24-hour episode like this woman. Now, everybody's different, even Lydia. The Lord just opened her heart. It was just as simple as that. And she received Jesus. As long as you believe in him, as long as you have faith in him, it doesn't matter how different the path is by which you were brought to him. Now, the cord that goes through this chapter that I've been referring to is a cord of changing and increasing and improving views of Jesus. She gets increasing clearer views of Christ, who he is. That's the cord we're following. And I, I want to point it out. Now the cord commences at an ancient well. And this well goes back to Jacob. And it's actually called Jacob's well. It's the sixth hour. The sixth hour is high noon. The hottest part of the day. The sun is at its highest. It's very hot. It is a most unusual time to be out in Israel at high noon. Nobody's out at high noon. Nobody is at a well ready to hawk a big jar of water at high noon. But this woman's there. There are no other women there. The women don't do that. They don't cart water at this time of day. The fact that this woman does it shows her poor despised position in the community. The women have nothing to do with her. She's despised and rejected. And she goes out when nobody else is out. So that she'll not meet anybody else. So that she'll not suffer the abuse of others. And so she has no friends. And appears to be an outcast. And here we have Jesus. 
at high noon. And he is so weary because he's journeyed. And there he is sitting at the well, weary, wearied with the travel, dehydrated with the heat. And he sits exhausted and parched by the well, the water of life to men. And yet he sits weary and dry, waiting, waiting for her, for he has come seeking for her, waiting for her to quench her thirst, but also waiting for her to quench his thirst. He is waiting for her. And she is coming. And they meet at the well. She never forgot this you know. She had a true conversion. There is a tradition of what became of her. We don't need to go into that in detail. She became a true convert. She won her sisters for Christ. She won her two sons for Christ. She became a martyr for Jesus. She died for her Lord. She was dead whenever John wrote this story. She never forgot that noon. There is another noon that's very important in the life of Christ. That noon that he was crucified. That high noon when the land became darkness. And even Samaria was in darkness that noon. She never forgot. And she linked both events. And she could say... To Jesus, seeking me, you sat down weary. Redeeming me, you died on the cross. And that's true. That's the significance of the hour. The sixth hour for her. Though it does not say so, we know it is a fact That she came to the well weary also. Not the weariness of the Saviour. Not like his weariness. Her weariness is not the weariness of a sin-burning lamb. But her weariness is the weariness of a heavy laden sinner. The weariness of one whose life has been broken. Whose heart has been stained. It is no accident. That she is pictured as the burden bearer. In the heat of the day. She's about to cart home. A heavy load of water. She has done that every day. At noon. And here she is. She is like that picture. Her soul is pictured. By her body carting the water. She is a reflection of herself. She is heavy laden. She is weary with life. She is tired. She has a load greater than any vessel of water. She is weary. She is one who bears a guilty conscience. She is one who has had many broken relationships. Sinful relationships. She is weary with the hurts. And the scars that she has received in life. She is weary with the hurts and the scars. That she must have given to others in life. Weary with having offended God. 
weary with trying to find relief for her accusing conscience, weary with the knowledge that she has broken God's law, weary with the thought that one day a fire greater than the heat of the noonday sun must descend upon her, the divine wrath, the divine judgment, weary and yet can find no escape from the wrath to come and can find no way to unloose her burden. The circumstances, the approach and the actions of Christ toward her prove to us she is a weary sinner. And Jesus knows it. And Jesus sees it. And that is why he introduces her to the answer. He is the answer. And so I can hear this soul. She makes her way to the well another day. I can hear her with the words of Holy Scripture. Day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. Like a heavy burden they are unto me. Too heavy for me. We are consumed by thine anger. By thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set all our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins are in the light of thy countenance, O God. And all my days are passed away in thy wrath. And I spend my years as a tale that is told. She's heavy laden. She's heavy burdened. And maybe there is someone here tonight like that. A weary sinner. A heavy laden soul. With the burden of sin. And you carry it day by day. Just like that woman carries that water pot. In the burning noon sun. If such is you. Then attend carefully to this chapter. For in this chapter Jesus can meet you. Even as he met that woman. He can meet you. With the same words. So there has come to the well. To meet her. The one who takes away burdens. The one who removes sin. And who can cast them behind his back. There comes this day to the well. The one who says. Come unto me. All ye that labour and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. So here is the answer to her needs. Here is the one who can help her. Christ, the saviour of the world, is the answer. Here is for her the rest giver. Here is for her the peacemaker. Here is for her the burden remover. Here is for her the light of her soul. The balm for her hurt. The friend in her loneliness. The one who is the healer of her brokenness. And the restorer of hope. 
and her who is hopeless. She meets him that day in the marvelous grace of God. And there he sits at the well waiting for her. O happy woman for whom the Savior has come. What a blessed and glorious day you are about to experience. And so he's come to quench her thirst. He's come to relieve her of her burden. And he can save you. He can save us all. And not only can he save this woman. But through her he can also save her community. So that they all are healed. And they all are one again in Christ. Christ can do that not only for an individual, but he can do that for a community. So, O wonderful and blessed Lord Jesus, thou that dost love sinful men and women, to thee be all glory. And help us this night. To speak thy truth. And so this poor soul. Meets him. But there is a problem. She does not know him. She does not recognize him. That sin that has wearied her. Has also blinded her. And she cannot see. She does not recognize the one. With the living water to help her soul. She does not know to cast her sins at his feet. She does not know to unburden her soul to him. She does not know to make confession to him. He has to draw it all out. For she is ignorant of him. She does not even see any beauty in him initially to desire him. He appears himself as a man of sorrows. He appears as one weary as well. She sees weakness as great as her weakness. And so her greatest and her most crippling problem is not so much her sin. As her unfamiliarity with Christ. She doesn't know him. That's her greatest problem. That's the greatest problem all sinners face. Unfamiliarity with Christ. Not knowing the Savior of the world. And so this is her greatest problem. She doesn't know him. And Christ has to deal with that blindness. And he must open her eyes to cause her to see. He is the saviour with the water of life for her poor soul. And so he reveals himself to her. And he slowly brings her into a new path with him. The path of knowing him. 
And that's what sinners need, isn't it, congregation, more than anything else? To come to know Christ. To be able to recognize him. And so the unfamiliarity has to be dispersed by the grace of Jesus. And dispersed it is. So the Lord makes himself known to her. Slowly, bit by bit, he says, It is I. Be not afraid. And the cord of changing and ever-improving views of Jesus commences. Let us trace the development then in her understanding of Jesus. Jesus commences the conversation. In verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me, me, to drink. He's drawing attention to himself. Me. He's going to unfold himself to her. Me. She has to find out who he is. But that's how he begins the conversation. And to her, he's only a Jew. Do you see that? Verse 9. How is it that thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria? You're a Jew. And to many that's all that Jesus is. He's just a Jew. A Jew among other Jews. And all Jews are the same. Not very great. The Jew of Galilee. There are many men who can make that confession. And that's as far as their confession goes. And that's all they know about Jesus. And so this woman, she sees he's a Jew. This is known, of course, by his dress and appearance. And by the way that he talks. But she sees that even seeing him to be a Jew, she sees that he is different. Because how dost thou being a Jew ask drink of me? which I'm a woman of Samaria. So he's a Jew, but he's not like other Jews, because Jews don't talk to women. Well, they do to their mother, their wife, their their sisters, their, their nieces, and so on, but not strangers. They don't talk, Jewish men don't talk to strange women, and especially not to Samaritan women. But this Jew does. She knows he's different. He's not an ordinary Jew. He's not like all other Jews. He's not filled with this kind of harshness and this arrogance and this superior attitude. He's gentle. He's kind. What kind of a Jew is he? He's different. He's unfolding himself to her. And so already in the first conversation... There is a change taking place in her in her heart, in her life. Because Jesus is, is different. Very different. This Jew is humble. And then look at verse 10. Uh, whenever Jesus responds to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is 
drawing attention to himself again. If you knew who I was, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking a drink of you, you would have asked him for, for living water and he would have given it to you. See how Jesus is drawing her, his attention to himself, unfolding himself to her. Now, as you can't understand everything, it's a deep well that the Lord Jesus Christ is beginning to show her, but she knows he's different. She is certainly beginning to say, who, who is he? And what is he about? And what does he mean? What kind of a person is this who talks thus? And you see instantly a change of attitude. Verse 11, the woman saith unto him, Sir, Sir, she never said that before, you were just a Jew, but now, Sir, there's a respect now. There there is taking a, a, a subservient position now, willingly. There's a change in attitude. She'll listen to him now. She'll give him ear now. She thinks he has something to say now, sir. And in verse 12, she has a question. Are you greater than our father Jacob? You know, Jacob, he was a great man. He gave us this well. Are you greater than him? Could it be that you're greater than Jacob even? So you see, it's all about Christ, who he is, his identity. What's he about? So she thinks of the water. She thinks of the claims that he's evil, able to give water. And she can't understand everything that he says. But there, there's something great about his person. Are you greater? And so she's taken up with the enigma of the man who is before her. The next step is to point out her moral failures. The Lord does this ever so gently. She doesn't know him. She doesn't know that he knows all about her heart and her sin and her life. But she's going to find out. The Lord shows that he not only can give water, he shows that he provides the water where it's needed. And her life needs it. The purifying waters. The waters of healing. And so he says to her, go call your husband. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, thou hast said, well, I have no husband. But thou hast had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband. You do say it truly. And she's got a new insight into Jesus. Another curtain falls. Another ray of light shines in. And she says, sir... I perceive thou art a prophet. That's an advancement, isn't it? From a Jew to a polite and respectable sir to now a true prophet of God. You see, a prophet is one who points out sin. A prophet is one who can reveal hearts. That's what a prophet does. A prophet can see things, you see. A prophet's a seer. A prophet is a man that God gives sight to, to see things. And so a prophet can reveal hearts to people. And a prophet can, like Nathan, thou art the man, Jew. Like Ahijah, 
Whenever Jeroboam sent his wife in disguise to the prophet, the prophet could see through it. He knew it was Jeroboam's wife. The Lord gave him insight and discernment. Do you remember what the king of Syria said? What they told him? They said, Elisha knows everything you say in your bedchamber. He knows all your counsel and all your devices. He's a prophet. He's a seer. He can see. This man can see. And she says he must be a prophet. A seer. And so her view of Christ has been raised. She knows he's from God now. It's not enough to be able to drink at his well yet. But a new thought enters. Even as she declares him a prophet. Because in verse 25 she says. I know that Messiah cometh. Which is called Christ. Now why does she think of Christ? This new thought has come into her mind. A Jew, sir, a prophet. And now thinking Christ. Messiah coming. We know that Messiah is coming. And now the stone traps. I that speak unto thee am he. You've got it now. The Christ. The Son of God. Messiah. So the Lord has brought her to the pinnacle. And just in time too, because now the disciples arrive and interrupt. And that's the conversation over. But he got her to the pinnacle just in time. I am the Christ. Now the Lord Jesus didn't often say that. He didn't say that going around, around all the Jews, you know. He'd have been crucified a lot earlier had he gone around saying that. But he told it this woman, I am he. I am he. And now the disciples interrupt. They're amazed that he's talking with her. What's he doing talking to her? And yet nobody dare ask why he's doing it. And off she goes. But she goes changed. She doesn't carry the burden with her. She leaves the water pot. It is a picture and image of the burden having been removed. Of the change that has taken place in her life. She goes now as one with the burden gone to be a witness for the Christ. She's come to faith. And she goes out into the village community. The village community that don't want to know anything about her. And yet she goes out with boldness and declares unto them. In a polite and humble way. Come. See a man that told me all that ever I did. Could not this be the Christ? She's very polite about it. She has no doubt about it in her own mind. But she doesn't want to be bold and arrogant and authoritative. She's just a newly saved sinner. And she's the outcast in the community. And she doesn't want to appear as a know-all. And so she says in a gentle kind of way, he told me everything about myself. He knows all about me. 
Could he not possibly be the Christ? And they all go to see. You know the story. It's in the, it's in the chapter. Off they go. So she goes bearing new water. And not carrying the old water. She goes bearing a new message. A living message. She goes bearing the message of Christ. The saviour of the world. Not just the saviour of Jews. But the saviour of the world. Samaritans too. It's a wonderful story isn't it? And so she goes assured that she has discovered one who has not only revealed her sins to her, but knows very well what to do with her sins, with his living water. And so she becomes a soul winner. And so you see the men, they go out there, the village community goes out, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. You see, it was the woman's testimony that got them out. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. He was only passing through. But the passing through became two days because of this woman's testimony and because of the power of the saving Christ in her life. And then in verse 41 we read, And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying only, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And that's where the story ends. The Christ, the Savior of the world. So this woman came to faith in Christ. The saviour of the world. And we all have a similar story as well, don't we, as Christians? Because we have come to the same faith in Christ. We can tell a similar tale. First he's just a Jew, this Jesus. We heard he died on the cross. Strange thing, we don't know why he died on the cross. But there is a change undergoing as we hear the gospel. And then we begin to respect him and not take his name in vain. And then we begin to see that he is a prophet and he speaks the truth and he reveals God to us and brings God's word to us. And then we see he is the Christ, the sent one, the one who's come into the world to save us, to be our saviour. And then we see that he is truly the saviour. And then we drink at his well. And we have everlasting life. And we make the confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Saviour of the world. This we confess. So we have all been brought to that confession. No doubt by different paths. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. But the important thing is not only that have we all come to this view, to this understanding, to this faith. The important thing also is that the one who has brought us there is Christ.
Flesh and blood does not reveal this unto a man. Only Christ truly reveals it unto the soul. And so that's the other lesson in this chapter. The one who brings us to that place of confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, is himself Christ. He does that. He brings us there. So he opens our eyes to make the confession. He makes the blind to see. He makes the lame to walk. He makes us to go in the right way. He not only causes us to confess in faith. He gives us the gift of faith. What he did for this woman and in this woman. He does for and in all who are true Christians. And so if you're a Christian tonight and make the true confession, then you can know of a surety that Jesus Christ is the one who has brought you to that place. He has met you at the well. And he has given you understanding that you may know him, that is true. And you are in him, that is true. Even in his son Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life.